What are we looking at here is a film review podcast. There will be significant spoilers in every episode, so if you haven't seen the movies I'm discussing, please do pause here and go see them before continuing. I talk about all kinds of films and all kinds of topics, so some content may not appeal to you. You can check out the content warnings in the show notes and decide if this episode is right for you. What are we looking at here? Hi everybody, welcome to the show. Today we're looking at Snow White Tale of Terror and how it flips the princess script. Snow White Tale of Terror from 1997 is an early and solid example of flipping the script on the traditional fairy tale heroine. It's got a lot of layers the Wicked Stepmother, for instance, is a three-dimensional character who's not entirely unsympathetic. Women are the main characters and are quite empowered in their roles. It looks at class structures and class conflict, and there are other interesting layers besides. But today we'll be focusing on Lily, the Snow White of the story, and on how her clothes, and the color of her clothes, reveal a departure from the typical fairy tale princess. We meet Lily as a very active, independent child. She's not shy, and no one in her life, not even her new stepmother Claudia, is trying to stifle her. But by the time she's grown, she's no longer getting along with Claudia, who tries to enforce traditional dress codes and traditional gender roles on Lily, who doesn't really listen. Lily develops a bond with a family friend, Peter, and on a walk through the castle grounds, Peter tells her that he would like to ask her father for her hand in marriage if she approves. She says she approves. I suppose that's a proposal. He then leaves her there to go talk to her father, and she continues her walk through the grounds. Of course, this is the moment her wicked stepmother has chosen to have her killed. It is Snow White, after all. And Lily is forced to fight off her attacker and flee into the woods. As she flees, she loses her hat and heavy cloak, her protective gear, that clearly afforded no protection whatsoever. So now Lily is wearing only a red dress and a dusty rose vest. These are traditionally colors of power, sensuality, and sexuality, all things that traditional fairy tale princesses are not encouraged to have. Lily survives a tumble down a pretty steep hill and makes her way to a cottage where seven men live. Most of these men are nice enough, but eventually one of them does try to take advantage of her, attempting to violently rape her. She fights him off, the other men also protect her, and technically she's unharmed, but her vest is ripped beyond repair, and she discards it. Lily ends up helping the men as they dig in a nearby mine. She's as strong and capable as any of them as they pull each other to safety during a cave-in. Most notable, though, are her interactions with Pretty Boy Will. At first they clash, because he's been hurt by people of her social class before. Then, after she learns more about his history and his character, she reaches out to him. 
She approaches him while he's, I guess, enjoying this rain pouring down through a hole in the roof shower, and she kisses him. Unlike her earlier kiss, where family friend Peter kisses her, and she seems to barely know what she's doing, Lily is now the instigator of the interaction. The movie doesn't share what happens after she and Will kiss. The next day, Lily is washing her red dress in the river. She's wearing her white underdress. Claudia disguises herself as an old woman and comes to Lily, convincing her to eat the poisoned apple. When Lily falls into a death-like coma, her red dress floats away, and she's left with only the white underdress, white symbolizing, at least in the West, purity and innocence. So what does all this mean? We've seen Lily, an independent tomboy sort of girl, ignore the conventions of her society and, more importantly, the conventions of the typical fairy tale. Faced with the traditional ask-your-dad-if-I-can-marry-you guy, who she likes well enough, sure, the story links that choice to a threat on her life, removes her protective but cumbersome hat and cloak, and pushes her down a ravine. She's clearly a naive girl, kind and good, raised in a castle and so unaware of grown-up things that she barely knows how to kiss Peter goodbye. This is where the traditional fairy tale would put her in white or neutral colors. Reds and strong colors would ordinarily be reserved for problematic women, strong-willed, combative, romantically or sexually active, the proverbial scarlet letter. But Lily starts out in reds and pinks, and gradually sheds those colors to reveal pure white at the end. At the end, of a journey where she's physically fought off men who would harm her, where she's instigated a romance and a kiss, and whatever may have happened after that, where she's gone off unescorted and is now in the company of strange men, all without losing her goodness, her kindness, or her noble character. Lily also wears white as a child, particularly in the scene where she objects to Claudia marrying her father. And now she's wearing white again after her successful initiation into the grown-up world. In Snow White Tale of Terror, red is the color of naivety, and white is the color of autonomy, wisdom, and, still, virtue. Virtue is connected to her personal and sexual awakening, and to her freedom from the typical female destiny. The story is suggesting that she's supposed to have power, love, self-determination, and knowledge. Red is basically the color of Lily's oppression by society's rules, and she regains her virtuous state, when she leaves that world behind and becomes her true self. Pretty boy Will wakes her from her death trance, not with a kiss, but by literally shaking the apple out of her throat. But Lily is awakened by a kiss, by Peter's bland kiss, after which her story decides, no, 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 this isn't right, this would be... boring, and it shifts her into a completely different experience. So does she end up with a romantic partner? She does, but it's almost irrelevant to the story. Mostly the story is about her defeating Claudia and rescuing her father. Does she end up with Peter? No. First of all, he looks like the jack in a deck of cards. Why did he make these fashion choices? Why? I don't know. But second, right before the final boss battle, he leaves Lily behind to go do something he feels is more important. 
Why? Why did he do this? We can't ask him, because he died for his trouble. Before this, though, when Peter finds Lily in the woods at the miner's cottage, he bundles her up in heavy, non-white clothes and offers to take her home. Will has gotten to know Lily and isn't afraid of the woman she's become. In fact, he allows himself to learn from her. He doesn't offer to take her home, but instead follows where she leads and offers to help her do what she needs to do. So in the end Lily chooses Will. She chooses him. And then it starts to snow, turning the whole world white and symbolizing that Lily has completed her quest and become her own person. She's become virtuous by discarding the traditional ways and the traditional symbolic colors and forging her own path to heroism. She's demonstrated her worthiness by doing the opposite of what was expected of her, and the story rewards her handsomely for her rebellion. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word. If you want to check out my other content, you can visit my website at www.smrcooper.com. I hope you have a good week and that things go your way. And if you get a chance, watch a movie.